Well, I'm grateful for the opportunity this morning to be with you, and uh, I'm always I'm always with the teenagers and um, teaching the teens is one of the things that I love to do. But I love every now and then to have a chance to uh, get with the adults and teach the adults, and uh, you know I have to change my illustrations and and all that kind of stuff. I can't tell any gross jokes or anything like that. No, I try not to do that with the kids much, anyways. But uh, it's a good opportunity for me to uh, get to talk with you all. And, um, and this morning particularly is a, is a wonderful opportunity on Resurrection Sunday, the day that we celebrate the Lord's resurrection from the dead. And so this morning, the guys have got some Bibles. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Just give them a glance and let them know they've got some Bibles for you there. And uh, that's, that's our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible of your own, please feel free to keep that. And they are marked for 1 Corinthians 15. That's the passage we'll be looking at this morning. 1 Corinthians 15. We celebrate today the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And I wanted to uh, share with you this morning some implications of Christ's resurrection from the dead. Implications. What does it mean? Things things that are true because Christ rose from the dead. And uh, kind of the take-home truth in our worship service every week, Pastor gives us a take-home truth that sort of encapsulizes what he's teaching that day. And today's take-home truth would be that Jesus' resurrection demonstrates that he has overcome the power of death and that he is able to give eternal life to your soul and body. Just before we begin, let's have a word of prayer together and let's invite the resurrected Lord to join us in our time of learning today. Lord, we do thank you that you are our great God, that you have, uh, you are God of love, that you are God of mercy, you are God of grace, and that in your love and mercy and grace, you sent your son to take the punishment of our sin in our place, to die in our place. And we thank you, Lord, that he did not remain in the grave. We thank you, Lord, that by your spirit's power, he rose victorious over death and that we have a hope. We understand now that because he is risen, that we too one day shall be resurrected. And Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you for uh, this opportunity we have this morning to celebrate that. And we pray, Lord, that it would be a time of joyous celebration. We pray that it would be a time that that directs all of our attention toward you and all of the worship toward you because you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just to set the scene a little bit, when Jesus died, he'll remember a man named Joseph went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. We find that in Matthew chapter 27. And Pilate wanted to be certain that Jesus was dead. So he summoned a centurion, the centurion that had supervised the crucifixion, and after receiving the centurion's confirmation that Jesus was dead, Pilate released the body to, of Jesus to Joseph. And Joseph wrapped the body of Jesus in strips of linen. Joseph owned a tomb in the garden near the place where Jesus had been crucified, and Christ's body was laid in the tomb, wrapped in burial garb, and a stone was rolled in front of the entrance. And the women who had been at the foot of the cross followed Joseph in order to see where Jesus had been buried. Then they hurried home in order to prepare spices and perfumes that they would use to anoint the dead body of Christ. And the Pharisees remembered Jesus' declaration that he would rise again. So they lobbied Pilate. 
They lobbied him to provide a guard at the tomb, and Pilate instructed them, quote, make the tomb as secure as you know how. But on the third day, the tomb was empty. Jesus had risen. And there are some things we should think about as we take a look at 1 Corinthians 15 and some of the implications of this, that simple statement, Jesus had risen. Simple yet profound statement. Uh, think about this. The women did not know what to make of the empty tomb. Their faith had been crushed by what they had witnessed, this awful suffering and death of Jesus. Um, and, and there's an analogy in that with us. Uh, sometimes experience of terrible suffering can cause our faith to waver. And this was this was surely the case with them. The disciples, all of Christ's followers, didn't know what to make of all of this. And their faith was shaken. But God gave the explanation of the empty tomb. Do you remember the angels stationed at the tomb said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And thirdly, a Christian is a person who believes God's explanation of his own actions. Christian faith does not rest on your feelings or on your interpretation of events. It's about believing God's explanation of events. And so think about that as we look through 1 Corinthians 15, God's explanation of the events surrounding Christ's resurrection. There are three implications that I want to share with you this morning, and at the end we'll have three points of application that I want to share The first of these implications of the empty tomb we find in 1 Corinthians 15 is that Christ being risen means that death is defeated. And I want to to mention here that uh, when I say Christ is risen from the dead, Christianity is not just based on the fact that Christ is alive. It's based on the fact that Christ is risen. Jesus didn't just go from the cross, his body to the grave, and then his spirit returned to God in the relationship that he had with the Father before he came to earth as a human baby. But Christ rose from the dead, victorious over death. And risen means death is defeated. By his death, Jesus changed the nature of death. The Bible tells us that from the time of Adam to the time of Christ, death had a way in. But there was no way out. And there, there are veiled references in the Old Testament, but for the Old Testament believer, death was a very frightening unknown. Uh, you have statements by Job, for example, that do uh, give hope. Job says that as he's suffering and facing uh, the, his own mortality, he says that though, though my body is laid in the grave and, and worms, it decays and worms eat my body, yet in my flesh... Shall I see God? So Job had a hope there of resurrection. But uh, it's, it's well noted that in the, the Old Testament believers, uh, there, were, there were many uh, uncertainties for them. They thought of the grave as a very dark, scary place. But Jesus changed all that because he conquered death. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with me. Look at beginning at verse 20. First Corinthians chapter 15, and we're looking starting at verse 20, it says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. 
but each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. And Jesus changed death forever. He's made it clear to us and he's confirmed for us that there is a way in. Death is no longer just the scary unknown. But for those who believe, death is not a prison, but a passageway into the presence of God. And we'll talk more about that with our next point. That number two, risen means that the whole person, your whole person will be redeemed. You're a complex creature. And husbands are shaking their heads. Yeah, my wife, she is complex. No, humans, our nature is complex. In other words, it's made of more than one part. Um, might be counterintuitive to think about this, but, but uh, the Bible describes God as having a simple nature or one part. God is spirit. And those who worship him, Jesus teaches us, must worship in spirit and truth. But he has made us a body and a soul together. The, me- uh, the message of Easter is not just that Jesus is alive, like I said, but that he is risen. Jesus could have returned to the Father in his spirit and continued the life he shared with the Father before he was born into the world. But he didn't do that because he came to save every part of you. He came to save every part of me, soul and body, from the power of sin and death, from the penalty of our sin and the power of our sin. You are a union of body and soul together. And so death, which separates your body and soul, is an undoing of your nature. It's breaking what God created. God created Adam and Eve in the beginning. You remember, he formed the man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into him the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And that's how God designed you to be. A combination of body and soul. The physical and the spiritual. And death undoes that. Death is separation of your body from your soul. The Bible says that to be absent from the body. Paul teaches that when death happens to a believer... That we are absent from our body. Our spirit is separated from our body. And Christ came to fix that broken creation of God. He came to fix that problem. To redeem you, your whole person, body and soul. The only way death can be defeated is for your body and soul to be reunited in the power of a new life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, take a look at verse 45 for me. Reading, starting at verse 45, it says, So it is written, the first man, Adam, being a living being, the last man, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was the dust of the earth, and the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so are those who who are of heaven. And just as we have become been born the likeness of the earthly man, so we shall bear the likeness of the man from heaven. God doesn't just offer to bring a part of you into heaven. He wants you to be there, body and soul, all of us. Christ came to redeem our whole person. And that's the second thing. The third thing that risen means Risen means that we will all be changed. This is one of the most exciting parts for me of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I just love to read this part of this passage. 
The Bible teaches us here that the disciples knew and recognized, or the Bible doesn't teach us this here, but we read in the Gospels that the disciples knew and recognized Jesus. Uh, his body was familiar to them, but it was different. It was adapted in a way that's appropriate for eternal life. Think about that for a minute. You know, Lazarus was raised from the dead, right? You all remember the, the account of Lazarus dying. He's told, Jesus is told that he's sick. And they go and get Jesus, and he delays a little bit, and then he comes, and they're very distressed when he gets there. He's already died. And they say to him, Lord, if you had been here, he would not have died. And Jesus said, I I waited on purpose because I wanted to demonstrate to you that I am the resurrection and the life. And you remember, he stands before the tomb. He says, he calls out to him, Lazarus, come forth. And I've heard many a preacher say that, It's a good thing he spoke Lazarus' name or everybody in that tomb would have come forward because he is the resurrection and the life. And his words command that dead body to receive its soul again and to come forth. And then he ordered them to remove the grave clothes and Lazarus came forth. But do you remember Jesus or after Jesus' resurrection, Lazarus went about and lived a normal life and Lazarus would one day face death again. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but not in the way that Jesus talks about or first Corinthians talks about us being raised from the dead because Christ was raised from the dead. This is something new that's happened. Uh, Jesus body, the resurrection body that Jesus appeared to the disciples with is no longer subject to, to pain and death and aging. It's made new. It's made perfect. And this is the glorious future of every believer. That's what that's what's promised to all of us. When a Christian believer dies, the body's buried, but the soul goes immediately and consciously into the presence of Christ. That's what we we learn in the passage that tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And all believers will one day receive the gift of the resurrection body at the same time when Jesus comes again. Look at verse 51. Verse 51 here says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. That's the significant phrase there. We will be changed We won't just be alive again. We will be changed. Think about life in our world. We'll we'll take a look, continuing it further down in a little bit. Think about life in our world. It may not have been very long ago that you had to say goodbye to a loved one that you miss greatly right now because they have passed away. And that's something that we face all the time in this life. Pain, sickness, death. Aging and all the things that come with that. The, the longer I live, it's, it's funny how this works. The longer you live, the more in touch, I guess, with your mortality you become. You know, remember when you were younger and you just felt like I'm going to live forever and you did all kinds of stupid things because <laughs> you just feel like I'm, you know, I'm invincible. You feel that way when you're younger. That's why uh, when you're younger, you do all those naive things. And it's probably good that we have some of that uh, some of that boldness when we're young or a lot of good things that get done wouldn't get done. But the longer you live and the more of life and life's difficulties that you see, 
the more acutely aware you become of the fragility of life, of human life on our planet. And uh, we, we get sick. Very easily we get sick. Uh, and our bodies begin to break down. We were talking, I can't even remember what the situation was, uh, the setting, but we were talking uh, recently with my kids, and we were talking about how, um, you know, we're getting probably just joking about mom and dad getting old, and <clears throat> we were talking about how the fact that really the day we're born, the process of death begins in us, and it's a, it's a very visible reminder of the curse that, that when Adam sinned, death passed upon all men. And we see it all around us. Now think of that in contrast to this passage that we're looking at here in 1 Corinthians 15. The dead will be raised imperishable. We will be changed. Not only will we be alive, we will be resurrected. We will be made new. For the perishable, verse 53 says, must clothe itself with the imperishable. And the mortal with immortality, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortality or in the mortal with immortality, then the saying that was written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And then he quotes a a common uh, song or poem here. And he says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death and the the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ the contrast in there between what we see all around us every day now and what and what will be the case because Christ rose from the dead that's what that's uh, the, the culmination of these implications of the resurrection risen. We, we don't just celebrate today that Christ is alive. We celebrate that Christ is risen because Christ is risen means that death is defeated. Death is no longer the scary unknown enemy that we all fear. Now, death is not pleasant. None of us embraces it. It is still the result of the curse. But death has been defeated. Risen means that we will all be changed <clears throat> And risen means that your whole person will be redeemed. This ought to change us. If you read what the Apostle Peter writes in talking about the temporary nature of this world, he talks about at great length how it ought to change us. What kind of people should we be seeing that the life that we see all around us now is passing away? We ought to be holy. We ought to be striving to be holy people, being different because of that. Because everything, think about life and all that we live for now, and we will be changed, and it will all burn and pass away, and the Lord will make the, the heavens and earth new. And how, how silly are we that we get caught up in it? How silly am I that I get caught up in all the stuff around me and all the temporary things that I hold so dear and, and treat so pre- as so precious and the things that I neglect that really have value, relationships, with other eternal souls. Getting the good news that Christ came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, letting that take a back seat to temporary pursuits, pleasures, and recreation. Peter says we ought to live differently because of this. And that leads me to the question that I ask with the teens. 
when I, when I teach the teens class, at the end of a class, I always like to get them to think about this. So what? So here are the implications of the resurrection. Here are the, here are the three uh, big issues that I wanted you to think about, that death is defeated, that your whole person will be redeemed, and that we'll all be changed. Well, so what? Well, just like we said at the beginning, Jesus' resurrection, I'm sorry, uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians verse 15, verse 58, we've got up on the screen for you there, or take a look at it in your Bible. It says, therefore, my brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And there are three, three so what's. Three answers to that question, so what, that I want you to think about. And that as you celebrate the resurrection of Christ this Easter Sunday and as you head into the week after Easter Sunday, that I hope that you'll take with you and carry with you and think about uh, the implications and the way that we should live because of it. The first one is that you have hope. You have hope. Because all of this is true, you have hope. The Bible says here, stand firm. Let nothing move you. I don't know about you, but before I became a believer, life was full of uncertainty. I was a young guy. I was in my teens, uh, 14, 15 years old. And at that point, even, uh, there were so many uncertainties. I wondered what it was all about. I was trying to figure out what it was all about. And uh, it may be that you're... In your teens, maybe you're in your 30s, 40s, and you're, you can sympathize with this question. You find yourself asking frequently, what's this all about? Particularly when you go through hardship and you think, why is this happening to me? What's this all about? And you, and you wonder, you know, if God's there even, what is, what is he allowing this to happen to me for? But when you know Christ and you have the confidence that you put your trust in him for salvation, that because he's conquered death, that your whole person will be redeemed. When you know that, you have hope. And that's why the Bible tells us here to stand firm. Let nothing move you. You have, you have the knowledge that it takes to be unshakable. You know that no matter what happens, even if, let's say you... Let's just for sake of argument, say you throw yourself into the Lord's service. You give up everything and you don't treat anything as valuable other than the mission God's given you to spread the good news, to show his love to the people around you. And you throw yourself into it. Let's say let's say you do lose everything in order to do that. You lose your worldly possessions, uh, maybe some relationships, even maybe you, there are relationships that are harmed. Maybe you have a spouse that's not a believer or maybe you have family that you love that uh, will think of you differently because of your faith and your commitment to follow Christ. What if you do lose all of that? You have the confidence to know that Christ has conquered death. And a lot of times we think of what's the worst thing that could happen to me. You know, we think of uh, the young person who says, I'm going to surrender to the Lord to go off to a foreign mission field. And maybe it's even a dangerous mission field. And we think, boy, we, we just sure hope they're safe, that, that nothing happens to them. The last thing we would want to see is, is if uh, they were to be uh, harmed or killed in serving the Lord in a, in a foreign mission field. And we think of that as the worst thing that could happen. 
But Christ has conquered death. We have hope. We can stand firm. We can be unmovable because we have this hope. But secondly, you have a mission. It says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So we have hope and we have a mission. Together, those are a very powerful thing. Because when you have a mission and you, and you have nothing to fear in accomplishing that mission, you have no reason to hold back when you go ahead and accomplish that mission. It's a powerful combination. And that's, that's the conclusion at the end of this chapter 15 that's being drawn here, is that we can always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord without holding anything back because we have that hope. So you have hope. You have a mission. And then thirdly, you have meaning because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Think about this. One of the most nerve-wracking things to me when I, in the past and from time to time when I think about sharing the good news with somebody, uh, you know, my mission, spreading the good news that Jesus Christ came to die for us, to do for us, to die in our place, do for us what we could not do for ourselves, pay the penalty for our sin. And when I think about sharing that, that most important message with people, it can be unnerving to think about, well, what if I don't say the right thing? Uh, what, if, uh, you know, what, if I, what if they have a question that I don't know the answer to? And all these questions that rush through our brains as we think about carrying out the mission. Uh, all the questions that I mentioned earlier. You know, if I were to submit to the, the, the Lord's calling to go to a foreign mission field or to, uh, to be a full-time uh, servant in ministry somewhere, or to do as many of our men have done here and, and uh, in the retirement stage of their life, instead of living from vacation to vacation, throwing themselves in the ministry. What if I were, if I were to do that? You know, what if, you know, what if I lose out on some of the things I've always looked forward to? And all these questions go through our mind. But we're told here that we have meaning in life because we know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not like when I was a young man and I wondered, what's it all about? And I felt hopeless. I felt helpless, adrift in the, in the middle of a universe on a tiny rock that's floating around a big ball of fire. And what's it all mean? But I know there's meaning now. I know that I am a creature created in God's image, that I have God's image in me, and that Jesus Christ came to restore that image of God in me, that image that had been that image had been broken and twisted by sin. He came to conquer sin and its penalty death. And now I have hope because Jesus is risen. One day I will be resurrected and I will have a new body that's not subject to death and aging. And I have a mission and I have meaning. I know it's what it's all about. And these, these are things that the world around you are longing for. And we think about all the places that people look for this. What are some of the kinds of places that people look for this in? Just think of them. You're probably thinking of all kinds of things. Different social groups, um, organizations, uh, good causes, uh, bars. I mean, there, there are all kinds of places that people go to find this hope, meaning to, to cope with the difficulties of life. And we have them in Christ. 
And as we look at 1 Corinthians 15 today and we read that the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We remember that Jesus resurrection. I can get it up here on the screen. That Jesus resurrection demonstrates that he has overcome the power of death. And that he is able to give eternal life to your soul and body. And that ought to change us. That ought to change us. I hope this week as you live that that will change you. That it will cause you to live differently and live with hope. And live with a mission. And live with meaning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we've had to look at your word. And Lord, as as we have done this this morning, we do it in preparation of a time that we have set aside to worship you. And I pray, Lord, that as we break now and we enjoy some fellowship, we take some time to think about what you've done, that our fellowship would would uh, be around this topic, that we would dwell on what it means that you have come and conquered death, that we would celebrate this today as we worship you. And, Lord, I pray that as we do that, that it would cause uh, your name to be honored and glorified. And, Lord, that if there are those who have joined us today who don't know you as Savior, we pray, Lord, that this would direct them to you. And that as they hear your word, they would, that your spirit would apply it to their lives and that they would see their need for Christ as Savior. And, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. Thank you for leaving it for us so that we will know your record of events and what they mean. Lord, we thank you for this. We praise you for it. And we look forward to a time of worshiping you together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.